Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. And that's about the, the stony hearts and guess what? The, the enemy... The birds of the air came and just stole that seed straight away. And that's like the, a truth can come in our hearts either for salvation or for faith or believing God. And if we don't let it get into some roots in our heart, it just gets stolen. You know, you get really inspired in a meeting. Tuesday, you think, now what, what did God tell me? It's just gone. If we don't, if we don't water it and nurture it. Then some of, the, uh, some of it landed on shallow gravelly soil where there wasn't much root it says there was no root and so it quickly withered as soon as a little bit of pressure uh, came and it says that uh, that there was no deep root when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word they immediately wilt and fall off. and it's so sad when we see people that are so excited about living for Jesus or living a life of faith but when a bit of pressure comes I think oh this is too hard it mustn't have been real or it was just an emotion response. Or I don't know if I can really believe that God is my provider or healer. The third lot landed in good soil, grew up quickly, but guess what? There was weed seed in there. There was thorns and everything else, and it grew up and it choked out the good stuff. Because as you know, we've just had some rain last night. Guess what you'll be doing this week? Weeding or mowing weeds because they grow about five times faster than grass. I just can't understand. They just grow so quickly. And if you've got a veggie garden, if you don't deal with the weeds, they're going to choke out your tomato plants and your lettuce and whatever and take all the goodness. And so in our lives, it, Jesus, the thorns grow and they, the cares of this life, the seduction of wealth and the desire for other things crowd and choke the word so that it produces nothing. So it's good soil, but it's crowded soil. And our hearts can be crowded. And then the last lot is that lands in good soil where it's nurtured, there's um, mulch, there's rain, there's sunshine, and it says it'll produce a crop of 30, 60, or 100 times. And I used to wonder why, would it, why did Jesus pick 30, 60, or 100? Were they just at random? If you look at a wheat seed or a bomber to get 100 seeds out of that one plant, and that's what Jesus was referring to, that one seed of wheat can multiply a hundred times. So our lives, when we keep our hearts not shallow, not crowded, not hard, but keep them soft and cultivate that, good fruit comes. And I'm amazed, some people come to Jesus and in six months they've just grown so quickly. And others just go in and out, up and down. What happened? Often it's about the heart. Do, have they let Jesus really get rid of the junk as quickly as possible? Have they made sure they didn't harden their heart when the pressures and blame God saying, God, why are you letting this happen? We end up with a hard heart. God says, keep a soft heart and I'll make it something that's beautiful and fresh in our hearts and our lives. So I want to pick up now the next parable he taught was in uh, Matthew 13. And he, he put two parables uh, fairly close together. And these are the only two parables that Jesus fully explained. You look at all the other parables or stories and he never explained most of the others. Some were very clear and easy to get. Others were a bit deeper. But let's read uh, Matthew 13 verse 24. Then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But at night, when everyone was asleep... An enemy came and planted poisonous weeds among the wheat and ran away. 
When the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the weeds also appeared. So the farmer's hired hands came to him and said, Sir, wasn't that good seed that you sowed in the field? Where did all these weeds come from? And we've been asking that question ever since. Where did all these weeds come from? He answered, this has to be weeds. You might uproot the wheat at the same time. You must allow them both to grow together until the time of harvest. At that time, I'll tell my harvesters to make sure they gather the weeds first and tie them all in bundles to be burned. Then they will harvest the wheat and put it into my barn. Now this weed seed... When it grew, the plants looked almost exactly the same as the wheat until they started to sprout the grain. So they looked, all the, the, the leaves on it, the colour of the plant, it was very hard. And that's somewhat, times what happens in our life. You'll read something, you'll hear someone tell a story, you'll have someone with a philosophy or a belief, and it sounds very close to the truth. Deception is often 90% truth and 10% error. It's, it's close to the truth. And we've got to be careful that we don't let our lives get deceived by worldly philosophies. A me first mindset instead of Jesus first mindset. Think, well, I'm just looking after myself. And we've got to be careful and wise. But you can end up then robbing from God's call on your heart and your life. And so, usually, if something's going to be counterfeited, it's the valuable things. I read in the paper again this week, someone in Mirabar has been distributing counterfeit five dollar notes why would you bother at least make it a 50 or a 100 if you're going to try and do it why would you bother counterfeit five dollar notes the enemy will try and counterfeit the the valuable things the gifts of the spirit the, the the peace and power of god you know all those things but these weeds grew up and they looked just like the real. They said it was something like a, a Darnell seed or a plant that was very close to the truth. And what did, what did Jesus say in uh, Matthew 24 when the disciples said, what's going to be the sign of the last days? Do you remember what Jesus said? Don't be deceived. That was his first response. He didn't talk about the mark of the beast or the wars or the earthquakes or all the other things. His first and primary response was don't be deceived. Make sure you know the truth. You live in understanding. You don't get distracted or taken away. And so the weeds don't destroy our fruitfulness. Now the disciples, they were a clever bunch, but they were still getting used to Jesus' ways. So he told another couple of stories and they said, Jesus, can you please tell us what this one means? You explained the first one. We're still not understanding. So we go down to verse 36 of Matthew 13. Jesus left the crowds and went inside the house where he was staying. Then his disciples approached him and asked, please explain the deeper meaning of the parable of the weeds growing in the field of wheat. They were trying to get their heads around it, but mate, they were on a huge sharp learning curve about this steep. And whenever they thought it out, Jesus contradicted them. We give up, Jesus. Please tell us what it means. He answered, the man who sowed his field with good seed represents the son of man, Jesus. And the field is the world. The good seeds I sow. Now we would think this would be is the gospel, but it's not. The good seed I sow are the children of the kingdom realm. Now have a little think about that. 
In the first one, the parable of the sower and the seed, the seed is clearly the gospel, the truth of Jesus. Jesus told a second parable and he went to a deeper level. And he said, the seed that I've sown, one of the versions says, are my righteous people that I've planted in the earth. So you and I are God's seed. Because we've got his eternal seed of life in us, then as we grow, produce and multiply good seed that can transform our whole communities. Now, I'd read those parables for probably 40 years. I've been a Christian now for 42 years. It's hard to, 43 years, I don't know where on earth those years have gone. It was two years ago I saw the difference of these two parables. I'd read over it. I'd assumed that the seed was the gospel because that's clearly what Jesus said the first one was. But the second one, he went to a deeper truth and he said, the second one, the seed is my righteous people. I've planted all over the earth. I've planted them in your neighborhood. I've planted you in the family you're meant to be in. Don't believe the lie that if only I'd been planted in another family, I'd be a better person. God can turn all things together for good. The enemy will lie. If only I lived in a better neighborhood. If only, if, if only there were more Christians in my workplace. How come I'm the only Christian there? Guess what? God's planted you there. And you're meant to be there. And don't jump out of that until it's God's time to release you into another place. So often, we just don't quite understand the depth of this parable that Jesus said, the good seed is my people I've planted all over the earth to grow and produce a great harvest. And when I saw that two years ago, my spirit exploded. I thought, this can't be the truth. I better find, it must be just the version I'm reading is not quite right. So I grabbed every version of the Bible I can find and it all said the same thing. And what it spoke to me, it, it exploded in my heart that we are God's seed planted in the earth to bring glory to him and produce good fruit. Secondly, it showed me how easy it is to read stuff and assume we know what it says when it, sometimes it's not even close to the reality of what the Bible really says because we have preconceived ideas and we don't often stop long enough for the Holy Spirit to get the whole truth to our souls. So since that day, about two years ago, I read the word with fresh eyes and say, Holy Spirit, show me what it really means, not just what I think it means. And I rarely pick up the Bible these days without something fresh coming into my soul, which is just an amazing new experience. The Bible is like a new book after knowing Jesus for 40 years, rarely does a day go by when I'd pick it up and I don't see something fresh and new. I thought, wow, it's so easy for our eyes just to get used to. Let's go on. And, and so he says, the good seeds I sow are the children of the kingdom. Jesus sows us. We just don't land somewhere. He plants you and you're planted. That's why a lot of people are planted in the house of God. They understand. We're planted in this community. Sometimes God transplants us to another place. But don't you tear your own roots up because it's a hard work. When you tear a plant up and you don't prepare the soil and you transplant it and it's not prepared, it can sometimes die or take 12 months to recover. But when we prepare the soil and the roots, it'll grow quickly. And it goes on. The weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest points to the end of the age and the harvesters are God's messengers as the weeds are bundled up and thrown into the fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will his messengers, and they will uproot everything out of his kingdom. 
all the lawless ones and everything that causes sin will be removed and they will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will experience great sorrow, pain and anguish. Then the godly ones will shine like the brightness of the sun in their father's kingdom realm. If you're able to understand this, then you'd better respond. Wow, that's a powerful parable, isn't it? That God wants us to shine, to shine. And I was watching some of the singers up here as they were worshiping today. Their faces were just shining. I looked up and I said to Marilyn, look at those worshipers up there. They're just shining. They're just so loving, worshiping Jesus, and their faces are shining. And some of you shine in the darkness. Some of you have got difficult family situations. You've got pressing workplaces. You're in studying or you're, you're going through some trials. And as Peter was sharing, God brings good out of it. Don't try and squeeze out of it saying, God, I don't understand this, but Lord, bring out your good seed in my life. Help it be good seed that's going to produce and multiply for his kingdom and glory. And I just love the truth of that story. We are God's seed. The word of God, his seed is inside of us. And that got me thinking about another amazing psalm that followed on. And it doesn't talk directly about seed, but it talked about how amazing are we as his people. Psalm 8. Let's have a look at Psalm 8. It's only a few verses. Eight verses. Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. You're getting this picture? It is so powerful. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Wow, wow, wow. Now this can be young children just singing out of innocence. Isn't it awesome when you go to the shops and you you meet a Christian family and here's their four-year-old child just singing the latest song they learned at kids' church, just out loud, walking around the shops, not worrying about whoever hears them. As adults, we're too scared to do that. What will people think? But kids, they will just sing what's in their heart. And as we get older, we get too sophisticated and forget the simplicity of a childlike song of declaration of our God. Now, I'm not expecting you to go down tomorrow to the supermarket and try that. But sometimes we forget who doesn't care who hears them because they are just so excited that they're free in Jesus. And we grow in wisdom, but sometimes we grow in fear of what other people think about us as we journey. And so I love that. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But where I, when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, I have to ask you this question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with Adam's sons? That is a very powerful thing. Yet what honour you have given in, created only a little lower than Elohim. One of the versions says a little lower than the angels. 
crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You have delegated it to them mastery over all you have made, making everything subservient to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Wow, this started to burn in my heart because when I realized out of the parable of the seed and the, 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 the weeds that Jesus said, my sons and daughters are the ones I've planted in the earth. And often we settle for so much less in who we really are as his sons and daughters. And that's why I've linked these two passages together. Here the psalmist is saying, how amazing is our God but how incredible his crea- is his creation, including you and I as his sons and daughters. And the enemy has tried to numb down our understanding of how powerful and how incredible is our privilege and honour to be the children of God. The destiny, the authority to be stewards. Remember uh, Genesis 1 and 2, it says, multiply and subdue or steward or watch over and manage the amazing earth and all the animals that I've given you. Now that's not a a place of dominance or control, but it's a place of privilege and leadership that many of us as Christians don't enter into and live in the fullness of that. I'm convinced of that. And it goes on and uh, and says, all the the created order and every living thing of the earth, sky and sea the wildest beasts and all the sea creatures, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Wow. Wow, wow. That could easily go to your head in pride. And we've met a few people who think they are lords on the earth and they, they rule their families, businesses or their nations as dictators. That's not what God's trying to get us to see here. That's where it's distorted. But I'm convinced many people, and especially Aussies, we put ourselves down. Anyone who starts to step up to be a leader, we tear them down because we're, we're confronted with their fruitfulness and success. So we just think, oh, we don't feel comfortable with that. So they must be doing something wrong. They must be proud. And sometimes we forget the power of what the Word of God is saying here. You are my sons and daughters. It goes on and says, Lord, your name is so great. So now the psalmist goes back to honour God at the end in case man did get a bit puffed up with pride and distorted. says, Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your majesty. What glory streams from the heavens filling the earth with the fame of your name. Oh, I encourage you to read Psalm 8 again. And these verses, some of them are repeated in Hebrews 2 when Jesus repeats in Hebrews chapter 2 out of the psalm how majestic is your name in all the earth we used to sing a song like that remember that one? Oh Lord oh Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth I think Lord we, we, we get that but we sometimes haven't grabbed in context the middle verses of that psalm that we are created a little lower than the angels because they're a are fully a spirit being but we are spirit beings with our body and emotions and mind and relationships and privilege and responsibility so to rule when it says that we are created to rule it's not absolute or independent it's it's in participation 
but not as an equal in God's rule. This is a gift and a privilege, not a right. We partner with God's in our lives, leadership and stewarding what he has given us. And at our state conference recently, we had a preacher called Erwin McManus from a, a Mosaic Church in LA where they're seeing hundreds of atheists come to Christ and talked about how do you build the bridge between Christianity and those who don't even believe that God exists. They have hundreds week come to church who don't even believe in God, but they come to church because something has grabbed their soul. And many of them are coming to Christ. And so he really stretched our paradigm and knocked out any religious thoughts we had and talked about how do you connect with humanity that's created in God's image, just marred by sin and selfishness. And sometimes we have this us and them, righteous and unrighteous dynamic, more than we should because we don't understand the concept. Jesus, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. We haven't fully grasped the power of that sometimes because we impose God's standards on people who don't understand what they are. And I don't think we've grasped fully what Jesus really meant sometimes, that he didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world. And it really got me thinking. My head and heart's been really stretched. But one of the things that he said, and I've heard others say this, it's powerful. Often we're waiting for God to do something and he's waiting for us to step out and do what the Holy Spirit is leading us to say and do. So many of our prayers, and rightly so, we ask God to move and do all those incredible things that Jesus taught us to do that. But there are many times God's already telling us what to do and we're waiting for him to do what he said, I want you to do. You need to lead your family. You need, you need to make wise choices. You need to step up and sow the seeds of life wherever. And we want God to do it. And he says, I've already done it. Go and do what I'm telling you to do. And we don't sometimes because we haven't understood Psalm 8 very well about who God's redeemed us and restored us to be and to live in a place of stewardship and leadership and influence and fruitfulness. You're all very quiet today looking at me saying, where are you coming from? But, and it's like the Lord saying, hey, we need to lift people's understanding of who we are as his people. Don't keep praying for God to do something when there's some things already he's asked you to do and we're wanting him to do it. There's many things that only God can do. And I'm not talking about taking his place. But I think we've sometimes got this a little bit out of perspective on leadership and stewardship. And we understand it with parenting. You can't sort of say, well, God, you sort out my kids. I'm just going to sit on the sofa and enjoy reading my book and watching my TV program. We know that doesn't work. You've got to actively parent your kids and, and feed them and discipline them and teach them and show them. But it, when it comes to spiritual areas, sometimes we've forgotten that leadership responsibility of a parent or a grandparent and we've abdicated and want God and his spirit to do what he says, no, I want you to lead and do what I've asked you to do. Exercise your leadership. A few of you are nodding and a few of you are shaking your heads saying, I don't know. Hey, God wants us to grab a hold of this. And 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7 is the next couple of verses that came to me and it says, But for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that there's all surpassing power from God and not from us. God is the one who puts the treasure inside of us. And many of you know the story that in the old days, they didn't have banks, they didn't have uh, safes and 
all that. So they had all these clay pots and some would have water in it and some would have flour and some would have other things. And so they would put their jewels in those normal clay pots. So if anyone ever tried to break in, they wouldn't know which pot it would be in and they'd have to go through the 55 pots that are all around the house and on the shelves. They put their jewels and special things in a normal clay pot that just looked the same as everything. And Apostle Paul is saying, God's put his treasure in us as normal earthly clay pots. And people think, well, that's just, that's just John or that's just... Peter, or that's just Rebecca. Jesus is inside of us. This beautiful treasure of love and faith and authority and prayer and good deeds and all this stuff. And I think, well, God, help us. Help us to remember how powerful it is. Galatians 6, 7, I mentioned this last week. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self, self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you'll reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Hey, whatever sort of seed you sow is what you're going to reap. And a farmer, if he planted wheat seeds and he's really annoyed because cotton didn't come up, you'd think, well, what do you expect? You planted wheat seeds. Or some of you are keen garters and you, you want to get your hurt and say so you plant basil and you get uh, something else comes up or you were hoping for... You were hoping for a time or some other herb. You think, well, you know that if you plant that, that's what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to get. And yet in the spirit realm, we sometimes think we're cleverer than God. We sow negative words and judgmental words to others and then we think, well, why am I getting this harvest of this back? Guess what? You're just reaping what you've sown. Same in the spirit realm of encouragement and prayer and faith and breakthrough and God can do it. We've got to remind ourselves that what we sow is what we reap. And the other thing is that even in the natural realm, you plant some seeds, they take three or four or six or 12 months before you get the harvest. And some of you have started sowing good seeds and you think, why am I still getting some bad fruit? Well, guess what? It takes a while for the old stuff to die off and the new stuff to start to produce. And that's where most of us give up. We start speaking positive words of faith or freedom over ourselves and others. But after a few weeks when it hasn't all changed, they think, oh, God, it doesn't work. We've forgotten the very simple principle that sometimes takes three or six or 12 months before you see of the new seeds that you are sowing and believing and praying and declaring. So the word for you today is don't give up. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. You'll sometimes still have a bit of old seed around and bad behavior and whatever. But if you keep on nurturing, watering, you will reap the harvest. God's so good. We're going to come around communion for a few minutes to finish our service today and just give us some time. And so as the worship team come and, uh, and the team start to distribute, we've just got 10 minutes and we're going to just take some time to share communion together and reflect on this. As they do, I want to read another verse. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. How awesome is that? Even if you're with some difficult people and you've got some, 
pagans, but will say that they just don't get a hold of faith and forgiveness and hope and love. But if you, if you hang in there long enough, it says they will, they will thank God for your good deeds. The good deeds will start to overflow their hearts. They mightn't understand your faith or belief, but the good deeds will get there. In the Passion Version, it says, Live honourable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers, for they will see your works and have a reason to glorify God in the day He visits us. Wow, how beautiful is that? Thanks, team, as you come and share. I want you to take the emblems and, and just hold them. In a moment, we'll partake together. But let's reflect on God sees you as good seed that he's put in our souls. And that's what communion's about, where we can take a moment to say, Lord, cleanse us. Dig up the soil of our heart, that song we were singing before about good soil. Lord, just, just clean out my heart. And Lord, give me courage to keep sowing good seeds by my words, by my love, by my actions, by my care. And Lord, help me to see if I'm still planting wrong seeds of negativity, of doubt, of pain. Because often when we're in physical or emotional or mental pain, it distorts our reality. Interpret so many things about God and life through our own experience, good or bad. So if you're hurting, if you're disappointed, if you're carrying unforgiveness or grief in your soul, it will distort your reality. But the, the Lord knows how to go to the heart of the matter and bring hope and healing to our souls. And I love that. And just one more verse as the emblems are being distributed. Hebrews 12 says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who births faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because of his heart, his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Wow. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation or shame and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Wow, wow, wow. So when we hold these emblems, we're reminded of what Jesus did, who he is, who he was, and who he wants to be in our lives. And some of us have got some weed seed that's been there for a while. I shared last week, my dad used to tell me, if you have one year of seeding of weeds you'll have seven years of weeding and pulling out the seeds that keep on growing up sometimes there's carry on from past junk that's been sown to us or we've done some <coughs> unhealthy wrong things that God's grace is there to help clean up our life and just keep planting so many good seeds that eventually there's no place for the weeds to grow anymore I just think thank you Lord don't become weary or be tempted to become discouraged. Look to Jesus, 
And my last thought is, see Jesus in each other. Let's stand in his presence. Look to Jesus and see Jesus in each other. Because sometimes we think, well, I can't see Jesus, but we experience his love as we pray or we see his hand of grace in our lives. We open the word and we, we worship and, and others touch our lives. But I want you to, today to see Jesus in each other because that's the most obvious place that we can experience the nature of Jesus. Someone else is growing good fruit, a good harvest because of God's love. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Just, just. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.